Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another thrilling episode of Pop Coltish, the podcast that knew they were in trouble with Captain Picard when he was feeling a little frisky and asked us to come back to his quarters for some Fifty Shades of Earl Grey. Ooh, Tony Schaub here with you, and I've got a uh, special guest here with me. Uh, I love it when the guests laugh at my puns. That's great. <laughs> but, uh, uh, fantastic. Uh, filmmaker, director. Uh, he's done features and shorts and series, all sorts of great stuff. Uh, I've got John Johnson on the phone with me. How you doing today, John? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I appreciate you uh, not only joining us in general, but joining us today. Uh, I know you were telling me that you're at a uh, writer's retreat and had to had to do something special to get on the phone with me here. Yes, I, I'm at the top of a mountain. Well, not now, but I, I'm staying at the top of a mountain that I thought was going to have cell reception, it, it did not, and so I had to walk down to the bottom of the mountain because I was dropped off uh, late last night, and to be able to find the spot where I could do, I could make this call. Wow, We're literally trekking the mountain for me. I appreciate that. That's that's very kind of you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so so you've been you've been uh, doing a lot, not just lately, but I know you've been doing this for a long time. But lately, you've had a couple of big projects. Coming down the pipe, uh, you know, um, I know you are the lead. Uh, really, it seemed like you were the 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 champion on a uh, remake of a classic film called Plan Nine. That's that's your film, Plan Nine from Outer Space is the original. I know you've got some new stuff going on too. Uh, you know, before I jump in and kind of destroy everybody with what you have going on, tell me a little bit about uh, how you got into really the whole thing about making films, wanting to do this, what what was it that kind of led you in this direction as a career choice? Uh, I, I uh, wrote and directed my first play when I was seven, uh, which was a uh, a Ghostbusters uh, ripoff, essentially, or just a, a fan play, I guess. I was in uh, second grade, and uh, when everybody went out to go uh, play in the playground. I actually wrote my first script on the the two solid lines and the dotted line in the middle. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with oh, that, yeah. but the, the yeah, I, that's what I wrote my first script on. Love it. <laughs> and uh, the the next year, I I'd become obsessed with a, a TV show called V, yeah, uh, which had a uh, Mark Singer, Michael Ironside, Robert England, and uh, so at eight, I had took my laser tag guns and made my first short film called Zap which was uh, incoherent. I still don't know exactly what it was about, but there were aliens and laser tag. Very nice. Uh, at that point, I, uh, I ended up moving to a town, graduating early and moving to a town that I didn't have a lot of friends. So I went to the local video store and said, I'm going to rent 2,000 of your films. Uh, and the guy made me a deal that all uh, new releases were a dime and all... Uh, Previous releases were a nickel, so I mowed lawns during the day, and for five months I watched 2,000 movies to mm. kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, and at that point, I think I was 13. I started making a movie every weekend. Yeah, uh, for about two years, uh, I would uh, write it on Monday sh or write it on Tuesday, shoot Friday, Saturday, uh, edit on Sunday, and then. Uh, screen it on Monday and then I just learned from my mistakes um, and just kept it going and then when I was 15 I made my first feature uh, and then it just kept I just kept going 
That's awesome. This literally has been a a lifelong process for you, which is so so cool. Very 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 cool stuff. Now, um, like I alluded to briefly earlier, you know, you've had a couple of, I guess I guess we'd call it higher profile uh, projects that you've been working on sure. recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I was I was kind of known for a, a really silly series called Skeleton Key, mm-hmm. in which there are four, four films. And we were shooting the third one, I believe this was like 2008, and somebody asked me if I could make any movie in the world, a remake, because I was actually complaining about remakes. Yeah. Um, and they said, if you could remake any movie in the world, what would you do? And I said I would do Plan 9 from Outer Space, but not to make fun of it and to, to poke fun at the, the production value or Ed's wild creativity. Uh, but I actually knew Conrad Brooks, and he was a survivor of the original film and still is to this day. Yeah. Uh, and he had kind of told me that it was more of a sad story. Like, you know, these guys were branded with making the worst movie ever made. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, jobs and stuff were a little bit more difficult uh, to get after that. I think Ed even went into porn uh, by the end of it just trying to find work. Right. So... I thought, why not make a film that honors the original film? And so I sent a, a text message out on my phone to like all my friends, like, hey, I'm going to remake Plan 9 from Outer Space. And I think two weeks later, I was in New York, and a buddy called me and said, you got to go get Fangoria, you're in it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I went to, to get Fango, and it was like Val Kilmer doing this, John Johnson doing Plan 9 from Outer Space. Nice. Uh, and so then we freaked out because we're like, oh, we don't have the rights. We don't know any of this stuff. Uh, we were just, you know, spitballing. And uh, come to find out, the movie's been public domain for quite some time. Right. Um, and so anybody technically could do it. And so I thought, you know, what the hell? Let's let's give it a shot. And so in 2009, I raised enough money to shoot a teaser trailer. Um, which I think now is at about 1.3 million views on a bunch of different uh, mediums, cool. and to kind of show what we wanted to do with the film. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and cause there was a lot of hate when we first started talking about it, and I think that was because people thought we would be making fun of it or or, po- or poking fun at that. Uh, but then when they actually saw the teaser, it was able to turn some heads. Um, and then I think Two years after that, we finally raised enough money to make the movie on a bigger scale than my average. Uh, and then we had to raise money for post. And it's like, I, oh man, it took years to get this thing done um, because it was so difficult. Because we go to people and, and distributors, everybody, and we're like, we got this movie, Plan Nine. It's got this fan base, and people would look at us and be like, why would we want the worst movie ever made? <laughs> And we're like, no, 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 it's not the worst movie ever made. It's an honor to the worst movie ever made. Right. And uh, so that it was definitely a long, tedious haul. But then we got uh, a producer that picked it up of about a year and a half ago. And then it got released in Australia and the Middle East. And finally, we got a U.S. release uh, that happened February 16th uh, on, I guess, this coming Tuesday. Right. Uh, right after Valentine's Day, we got our VOD release, and then they say 90 days after that, there should be hard physical media, uh, and then subscription base uh, thereafter, like Netflix or Hulu or something to that effect. Right. 
That's very cool. And I'm, you know, in in the interest of uh, total disclosure for our for our listening audience here, this is where you and I first got connected uh, on on Plan Nine when I, just like most of the world, found out that you were. Working on the remake, uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, to get connected with you, and you were generous enough to to let me come out for a weekend and and be an extra in the film and and have some fun shooting on a on a cold uh, Virginia night there, and it was it was excellent. But uh, but yeah, um, were you at you were in the the Fifty Zombies, right? You were at the on the underground. Yes, yes, we spent the time the night yeah. in the underground parking lot, and I got to wear my uh, my my pink dress to honor Ed Wood as a as a uh, pink dress cross dresser zombie, and 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 had some fun with I it. Think so. I, I I don't know if you've seen the film yet, but I think you get shot pretty <laughs> i think i remember seeing you get shot yes i did uh, you uh, uh i did get a chance to see that screener of the film and uh, i do uh i do get shot and it's uh it's a high point of life for me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie it's excellent so. <laughs> but yeah i mean uh i did enjoy very much watching the film you know i got to see it just for the, just for the first time last week uh when i got a chance to check out the screener and uh you know yeah. I, I mean i do have to say you know the reason that I was so intrigued by it, of course, is because I am a uh, a big Plan Nine aficionado, you know, myself, uh, having uh, you know acquired a copy of the original script a long time ago, and you know I've edited a uh, Plan Nine anthology series and things like that. But uh, but uh, your movie does an excellent job of kind of capturing the vibe of what Ed I feel was probably truly going for, which uh, which I think speaks volumes to to both the movie and obviously your ability to help bring that to life so yeah i have well, nothing thank you that's yeah. very kind i really hope that uh it's seen that way yeah yeah nothing nothing but good things to say about it so you know like you said uh american audiences are going to get a, a chance to get a crack at it here soon um and we'll make sure uh, both on the podcast here and on uh, nerdbastards.com we'll, we'll be posting up some links so if anybody who's listening to this you can definitely go check out the film grab your copy and just uh enjoy the mayhem so <laughs> yeah it's, there's definitely a lot of it in that one very cool now how was it now i know that you know like you mentioned uh conrad uh, you know conrad brooks is one of the last surviving cast members of the original plan nine how was it not only working with him but after everything had wrapped after he had seen the film what kind of feedback did he give you in terms of you know working on the original versus you know seeing yours come to life well i'm not sure he's seen the film yet okay um because uh, we tried to get him out to a, a screening in that was close to him but he wasn't feeling well enough to come out gotcha um so we're eventually going to get it uh, for him, but I definitely know on the day that we shot, because it was another problem, he was supposed to come down to Southern Virginia for his shoot, um, but he fell ill at that time, so we actually had to travel the whole crew up to West Virginia for a day mm. to where he was to shoot his scenes. Um, and I had to do a, a rewrite uh, and kind of add his scenes. Like I rented a hotel room in the middle of production <laughs> and uh, went there to write uh, some new scenes to kind of fit him into the movie, um, and it was it was great to do because you just we just couldn't do it without it. Right. Um, it just wouldn't be right, and so we got out there, and he seemed uh, very pleased with what we were doing and the fact that we were treating it with as much respect as we was, and also bringing a production value that um, that he wasn't used to, and he was very happy to see that. Good, excellent, love that. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you you know you keep you, you touch on pr production value, which I think is definitely an important thing because that's obviously 
Um, infamously, a key piece that was missing in the original Plan 9 was not only was Ed stressed for time in writing his script, but the production value was was minimal because of his budget restrictions and things like that. And uh, I know sure. you mentioned, you know, I, me- I know you mentioned earlier that your film has a, has a much higher budget than than what you're used to working with, but uh, it definitely shows not only in the physical presentation and the effects and things like that, but you have quite a few names in the movie that I think a lot of people will recognize in addition to Conrad. Yeah, I, well, I kind of looked at, uh, I wanted to kind of capture as much of the feeling as I could of what he did with the original film, and his cast was a, a, a smorgasbord of different kinds of people. There was a wrestler, there was a horror host, there was a TV personality, and then there was the name actor. Uh, and so I wanted to kind of capture the same thing, so we, we brought in uh, wrestlers as our stunt guys, uh, kind of head up by um, Jimmy Valiant, um, uh, who was a very popular wrestler in the 70s. He kind of supplied us with the, the troops. Uh, then we had uh, two horror hosts, uh, Mr. Lobo and um, Bora, uh, Borloff Karloff, uh, which is Jerry Moore, who did an excellent job as Boss Man Mike. Mm. And then uh, then we got some uh, kind of like horror movie icons. We had uh, Addie Miller, who was the first uh, zombie to be seen in the Walking Dead series, the little girl. Mm-hmm. Um Camille Keaton from the original I Spit on Your Grave, Mike Christopher, the Harry Christian zombie from Dawn of the Dead. Uh, and then uh, we also brought in kind of um, YouTubers that had become popular on uh, just on YouTube without any other uh, attachments. Uh, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, uh, Matt Sloan and Aaron Yonda, who were popular for a series they did called Chad Vader. Uh, and then we went and got our, our name actor, which was Brian Krause from Charmed and Sleepwalkers. So it was just a... And then there was a lot of old kind of Darkstone players who had been in a lot of the older films, got to kind of get sprinkled into it, like myself, Monique Dupree, um, uh, Chris Duncan, Jay Barber. It was it was kind of cool to see those guys mixed in with all these other, all these, these other names. <laughs> uh, then we also had, like, Matthew Ewald, who was... Uh, the lead on the Fox Kids show for a few years, um, and uh, called Galador, uh, and he was in the actual. He was the lead actor in the first two original Sci-Fi Channel movies when he was uh, a teenager. Fun. Um, so it was cool. It was fun. Yeah. Well, and I, I certainly have to give you give you credit for really kind of pioneering the the crossover of YouTube stars into the mainstream. Um, you know, we have a, a convention here in Indianapolis called PopCon that, that will be in its third year. But last year, they did the same thing. They brought in YouTube stars as some of their guests, and attendance just blew through the roof. They sold out, you know, their 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 VIP tickets and lines, you know, uh, signature lines were around the block, and it was just craziness. And it was like, this is a, you know, YouTube is like a legit thing, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I think you had yeah. a little... A little bit more insight into that than, than the average person back when the when the film was shooting a few years ago. So, so I think that's yeah. Uh, in two thousand nine, I don't think there had been like one or two. I think that Fred kid, like there was only the YouTubers who kind of exploded, mm-hmm. uh, but not on the independent level. You didn't see any of it, right? Um, so I was the first one to kind of bridge that, that or one of the first, uh, which was uh, now, of course, you know, probably everybody is going down that road just because of the 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 star power that these guys have sure sure no you're absolutely right so 
Well, that's very cool, and I think people will will, will appreciate kind of seeing that come to life uh, in 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 the movie, which is uh, a, a a very cool thing. Now, in a, in addition to Plan Nine, which obviously has uh, has been a few years in the making now, and you've been working on that for a while, you've got a a brand new project that that you're working on that that also harkens back to a former property. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, very true. Um, I uh, when I was a kid, I uh, is <clears throat> right after the 8-bit era, or right in the middle of the 8-bit era, right when Super Nintendo and stuff started coming out. Yep. I went PC very early on, with, uh, and there was a, a video game called Seventh Gen, mm-hmm. which was the first uh, integration of like live actors with video games. Yeah. And uh, it was made really popular uh, after that. But there was a game called Myst that came out a few, like maybe a year later after Seventh Guest, sure. uh, that made it extremely popular. But I was obsessed with this Seventh Guest game, and then they made a sequel called The Eleventh Hour a few years later. And I just loved the horror aspect of it. And so I was. Everybody kept asking me, "What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next?" <laughs> and uh, on the on a bigger scale. And uh, I've been working on. One for the way future called House of Horrors, which is a monster mashup, Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, Visible Man, which I'm working on, but I wanted to do something in the meantime. And uh, so I wrote them up and kind of gave them my resume and said, you know, I'd be interested in in doing this if, if you guys would have me. And they liked uh, Plan 9 and uh, kind of let me take the reins of their franchise. And uh, it's super, super exciting and terrifying at the same time because they, they, when they announced that uh, it's like, well, whatever you write will be considered canon to the series, wow. um, that's uh, ridiculous. And it's a huge honor, and it's, uh, you just hope not to let everybody down because I know I'm not the only one that was a giant fan of these games. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's got a following, and and I believe the games have also now been re-released in the Google Play Store and in the Apple Store. So I mean, they've got a whole new fandom that can really check them out, and that's that's really yeah. awesome. That you, what you're doing is they are putting it in as you know canonical, which is very very cool. So now this is going to be a yeah. this this going to be a series though, not a not a movie. Is that right? You're right. We're doing it as um, um, a ten episode about. 20 to 25 minute episodes uh, uh, series mm-hmm. uh, that because uh, everything like right now the, the whole cinematic world has changed so much that you know straight to video is almost a dead franchise it's sure. all VOD now and so we thought well if we're going to approach it why not approach it as a series where we could get a longer story form and which I'm a big fan of, but also people are, um, you know, really diving into shows. Yeah. Um, so we thought that they might kind of like fluctuate a little bit in a longer form storytelling than just a one shotter. Um, where like House of Horrors would do better as a one shotter versus a series. I think that with the the development of the mystery, because they've uh, there are a lot of unanswered questions from the games of kind of what's going on which they are, I'm answering in the show. Uh, so we wanted to take time with each one and not feel like it's rushed. Right. Very cool, very cool. And um, do you have any ideas? I mean, I know you guys are kind of in, still in the pre-production phase. Do you have any idea on when, when you plan on, on that tentatively being unleashed to the world? 
Well, it'll it'll happen a lot faster than Plan Nine because <laughs> people have uh, have seen it. Uh, I don't think we'll be getting too much of the. You're doing what? Um, it's uh, we start production in beginning of May, and we, we're going to shoot for about five months, uh, and then we're going to turn it around as quickly as possible. So hopefully, we'll get it to uh, the distributor um, by early 2017 um, uh, in its completion. And so hopefully from there, uh, it'll get released later that year. Awesome. Very cool. Now, in addition to, to, to these two properties that we've been chatting about, the um, library for Darkstone Entertainment, which is y y your company there, is fairly sizable. I mean, I'm looking over the list now. Like you said, you've got the Skeleton Key movies. You've got, a, I mean, a ton of other horror movies, The Jester, Darkened, Deceptors. Is there anything that you have yeah. done prior to these two that you would really consider kind of your your baby or the one that has the special place in your heart as as the project for you? Well, yeah, there's, there's something that we're pitching right now. Um, I was, uh, as well as the, at the same time as Seventh Guest, I was obsessed with a film company called Full Moon, mm -hmm. which in the early 90s was just putting out amazing little, like, fantasy horror films like Dr. Mordred, Puppet Master. Um, they would put out, like, one or two movies a month. I had a T-shirt, a fan club member card. <laughs> I was, like, I was it. I was completely in. And they've now kind of reinvented themselves and are working on the VOD side. And I wanted to pitch a series to them based on one of their franchises called Trancers. Okay. And so we actually shot a pilot uh, that is right now being pitched to Full Moon to see if they'll pick it up as a series. So oh. we're kind of fingers crossed. But mm -hmm. once again, dealing in <laughs> um, other, other people's playgrounds. <laughs> But to an extent, that's kind of the fun of it. You know, something that you've seen, something that other people are familiar with, and you're, you know, given the ability to, you know, make a new spin or you know, extend the extend the franchise on it. That's uh, I think is every what every person dreams about. You know, I mean, not so much. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a it's a really big honor. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, then projecting forward from that into kind of dream scenario mode here. We'll go away from legal logistics and all that jazz for a while, but <laughs> is there any other property or movie or character that you would just love to take a crack at and be like, this is this is something I think I could have success at if I could reimagine or, you know, work on this property or this series? Yes. Uh, if, if there ever is the budget and the right ever come to play, <laughs> I would like to do uh, a prequel and a sequel to The Last Starfighter. Okay. Yeah. I would be uh, obsessed with that idea of, uh, you know, the, the new troops getting in and then all the troops that went down before The Last Starfighter came to be. I thought, like, making it a trilogy would be amazing. And then also, um, big, big fan of Remo Williams. Okay. Um, and I've read quite a few of the books. I'm still reading them now. I think I'm on, like, 100 and... There's so many of them. Yeah. Uh, but but I think Shane Black is doing the Destroyer, so he's bringing it back. So that that probably will fall off the playground. So we're just going to focus on <laughs> Last Starfighter. <laughs> One day, being able to do a prequel to Last Starfighter and a sequel, uh, two films would be amazing. That that would be excellent. Uh, that is a. Uh, a phenomenal film, a, a you know, a, one of those seminal '80s sci-fi films that uh, you know, if you were a fan at that time, you just 
never forget it. Um, you know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm excited that Beautiful I. Beautiful score. Oh yeah, just yeah, very very cool stuff. I get a chance to uh, to to moderate a panel later this year uh, of Catherine Mary Stewart, who was in Last Starfighter. So I'll, uh, I'll yeah yeah yeah. I'll try to subtly mention it to her, and you know, we'll just go from there. So. <laughs> Sure. Okay. <laughs> because I'm sure she's in yeah, charge of that I, kind of stuff. So <laughs> I've been doing, yeah, yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, conventions for many, many years, yeah. at least a decade, sure. and I've only collected one signed autograph picture, which was Lance Guest, the mm. last Starfighter. Very cool. <laughs> the only one I've ever collected. That's a good one to get. Uh, that I, I, it was, yeah, that was that was a thing for me. I was like, I, I want that guy. I love that. I love that. So yeah, cool. Well, um, aside from projects and you know film properties and things like that, on the flip side, as you continue to you know make movies and series and things like that, are there any uh, any folks out working in the industry today, whether an actor or actress or anybody working behind the scenes on the production side, that is on your uh, wish list of you know dream collaborators? Yeah, oh, of course. Uh, that's a that's a long list. Um, <laughs> give me a give, give me a top uh, three or four. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, mainly because they kind of started me when I when I made my first feature, I was able to get in contact with Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi mm-hmm. at like fifteen, and they both took the time to talk to me uh, on the phone yeah. uh, for hours and kind of nudged me along. So I thought it would be a really cool. Like, hey guys, I, I've it, your your speech ruined my life, but at the same time, it's amazing, and I'm here. <laughs> and so, you know, that would be a, a fun thing to do something on Sam's label with a cameo from Bruce. Sure. Uh, Tim Curry is another one that uh, huge huge fan of, mm-hmm. and uh, and Jeffrey Combs, I think, would be. If I could get the three of them in one movie, I would probably just die of a heart attack. Oh yeah, you'd make a you'd make a lot of geek heads explode there for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Very very cool. Well, what what uh, is out there now, other than stuff you're making, of course, you know, TV, movies. What's out there now that that you are enjoying from a fan's perspective? Is there is there anything that has kind of struck you recently? Anything that you're watching or anything that you're seeing in the theaters that has been really kind of top of the game in your opinion sure um on the television side i'm but i'm a little biased because my favorite superhero is barry allen uh, sure uh the flash yeah. and so i've been enjoying the flash immensely um and then i recently went to go see hateful eight and was just blown away because mm-hmm. um, tarantino his his most recent films were, were good films so they didn't really speak to me yeah uh, uh, Django and uh, Inglorious Bastards. They were great films, but they just weren't like, you know, made it to like Pulp Fiction level to me. Sure. And I saw Hateful Eight, and it was just amazing. It was a lot of older guys kind of reliving their glory days, and they just did it so well. Uh, and the cast was great, and the storytelling was phenomenal. It was very inspiring. And, uh, and this is, a, I've only seen the three hour version. I, am, I know there's a shorter version, but I don't know what the differences are. But uh, Hateful Eight, and um, and then also New Zealand has been putting out a lot of great horror films that keep popping up on Vudu. Mm. Um, we just watched, uh, I think it was Boy Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Oh, I yeah. think that was UK. That, that might have been UK. Yep. Uh, but uh, but it was great. It was it was fun, and uh, um, there's been a lot of that stuff. And I, I keep seeing 
New Zealand popping out all these movies. I can't remember a lot of the. Uh, I think Deathgasm okay. was one, and uh, they're doing a lot of cool stuff. That I, I definitely would keep an eye on that because I think they're going to be. America will probably end up start following their footsteps a little bit in the in the movies that they're making. They might lead horror for a little while. Yeah. Well, that's good. We can always use uh, a fresh infusion of of horror, especially into the uh, the mainstream. You know, there there really hasn't. You know, every every year or so, we get a couple of big entrants into the you know widespread you know mo- wide scale movie releases. Um, you know, I just got a chance to see yesterday had a, a press screening of uh, The Witch, which is coming out soon. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really cool. Really effective. Uh, period piece kind of a kind of a slow burn suspense film really good stuff but yeah yeah, hopefully there there is a leader out there like you said maybe from uh you know new zealand or something like that 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 can take the reins on that because i think we're i think we're about due for a uh for a little renaissance of horror here which would be to be very nice sure (laughs) yeah i think so i'm looking forward to it cool cool well uh, last real real question i have i guess is a, a you know a standard one that i ask a lot of the guests who are working in uh, a specific field is that you know what is your advice to any aspiring filmmakers any aspiring folks out there who want to get into this kind of stuff what advice would you give them based on what you've gone through so far well it's, it's two things one do it yeah no matter what's in front of you no matter what is against you always be making movies um, if this is what you want to do, never stop doing it. And then, uh, and then also, it's 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 been said a million times over, but never give up, because there will be a million reasons to give up. There's the you're making the worst movie ever made. Who's going to want to see that? Like you, you, you get these doors that get slammed in your face constantly, and you just can't give up. You have to keep pushing. Um, I know that's been said a million times over, and there's some great montage songs that are made in the 80s all about that exact thing but uh it's 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 sadly it's the truth it's it's simple and it's on the chinese fortune card but never give up <laughs> very nice very cool i like it it's uh uh definitely uh a good approach to take because uh you know like you said there's there's always gonna be people who are gonna tear you down but just like uh just like Ed Wood, even if you end up making something that's a little rough around the edges, so you never know what uh, what history is going to remember you like. I guess so. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he, he at the time he looked at his career as a failed career, but we're all talking about him yeah. this day. That's, that's so fair. That's, that's you might fair. not get exactly what you're looking for, but you might be surprised in what you get. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, let everybody know uh, here uh, towards the end. Here, can we? Uh, where can the people find you? Find the stuff. What's the preferred uh, preferred avenue that you have for uh, for people to get at you guys? Sure. Um, if you were looking for just free material, like we, uh, there's a Spooky Tales YouTube channel that's got a couple shows on it uh, that are all free. Uh, that's if you just Spooky Tales from the Dark uh, in YouTube, you'll find our channel there. Um, I also have a, a five and a half, well, it's a, a choose your own adventure, uh, movie game that releases this month on that channel where you can actually choose your path through the movie. Uh, I think it's like 700 different choices you can make or the order you can watch it. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on on, on that channel. Um, Darkstone Entertainment, uh, in, is, uh, if you Facebook that, you'll find our group. Uh, the website is under construction, but they tell me it's going to be up, I think, before Plan 9 comes out. So, darkstoneentertainment.com uh, or darkstone-ent.com. 
And then uh, Plan9Numero9Movie.com is a good way to, to find that movie. Awesome. Very cool. What else? What else haven't we covered that we need to make sure we chat about here today? What did I, what did I miss? Uh, boxer briefs. You, for me? Go oh, gosh. Um, no, I, oh. what, yeah, what do you wear? I wear boxer briefs. <laughs> what do you wear? Oh no, I'm a yeah, I'm, I'm a boxer briefs guy too. Yeah, yeah. I used to be used to be straight boxers, but the briefs just uh, I like the comfort of they the, just, they're, the closeness. They're, they're, they're like shorts. That's if you good. have to go to the bathroom, you don't have to put pants on. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, to keep you snug. These are the these are the insightful things that I need to focus more on in my in my interviews. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome well john i uh i sincerely appreciate you taking the time to uh literally come down the mountain to talk to us here so <laughs> it was oh, uh, absolutely I, the walk's been great good very good very good so um that wraps it up for another episode here of pop cultish uh, again you'll be able to hear this uh folks on not only on here on pop cultish but you'll be able to check out the full interview over at nerdbastards.com as well and until next time, I am reminding you to uh, stay passionate, stay proud, stay pop cultish. <laughs>